You know, what's so interesting to me is uh, CNN in particular, but really all the corporate outlets, uh, they've really, really done this merry-go-round of establishment candidates that they've been trying to basically prop up. All while they've been doing this. And now they're, you know, obviously they propped up Elizabeth Warren for a bit. Now they're taking, uh, they're, now they're getting on the Amy Klobuchar train. But all the while, all the while, they've just acted like Bernie Sanders doesn't exist, which is amazing to me. Um, Bernie Sanders consistently in second place in most polls. There was a time when he dipped into third when Warren, um, you know, had her surge. But overall, consistently second place, um, most volunteers, most individual donations. They basically, in a way, it almost helped Bernie uh, because they've kind of just been ignoring him. And as such, by ignoring him, they've just let his campaign just do their thing. The organizing, obviously their campaign, Bernie's campaign, trying very hard to expand the electorate, knocking on doors of voters who don't vote, knocking on first-time voters' doors, knocking on young people's doors that weren't of age to vote in 2016 but now are. They're trying to expand the voter base, particularly in Iowa, but also in New Hampshire. So the media has just been basically ignoring him. I mean, you literally ignoring him. You'll see headlines, oh, uh, Biden still in first, but Warren a strong third. I mean, just laughable headlines where they where they pretend that there's like two is not between one and three. There are headlines where Bernie Sanders is leading the poll, and they'll write the headline, uh, "Oh, front runner status unclear in Iowa." I mean, they've just been ignoring, 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 ignoring. And while the media has ignored, I mean, we remember. You remember this from? Uh, I think this was April. Yeah, there was private meetings going on in New York City. You had Terry McAuliffe, Clinton uh, acolyte, former governor of Virginia, was there. Uh, who else was at this dinner? Do, 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 Terry. You had Terry McAuliffe. Mayor Pete was at this behind-closed-doors dinner. Nancy Pelosi, Senator Schumer, and our friend Neera Tandon all getting together in the comfy confines of New York City, Washington, D.C., for a series of dinners. It wasn't, one, it wasn't just one. And a top discussion was just, how do we stop the Bernie train? This is, this is the New York Times in April. So there has, been, there has been activity to stop Bernie Sanders. Um, you also see the subtle rigging by the DNC. As I've reported, you've had paid consultants for the DNC going on CNN and other places bashing Bernie Sanders with zero, zero disclosure that they are paid consultants for the DNC. But putting all that aside, all of a sudden, less than six weeks before Iowa, it's like a collective light bulb has gone off. Wait a minute. Bernie Sanders, on the average of Iowa polls, according to Real Clear Politics, it's within the margin of error for first place. He's down two percentage points to Mayor Pete. Uh, according to the Real Clear Politics, uh, Iowa, uh, New Hampshire polls, he's in first place. According to the uh, late, a late, a recent poll in South Carolina, I think the Post Courier, uh, Bernie Sanders was down seven points to Joe Biden, which if Bernie Sanders loses South Carolina by seven points, 
That will be a shock heard around the political world. If anybody comes within 10 points of Joe Biden in South Carolina, it will be considered kind of a victory for second place, especially considering Bernie Sanders got crushed in South Carolina in 2016. Uh, we have Nevada, where polls have shown Bernie either in first or a close second. California recent polls have Bernie Sanders in first place. But the media has essentially, uh, their solution has been, let's pretend it's not happening. Because I think their strategy is shenanigans. I mean, I already, I tweeted it out yesterday, but you see in California, all of a sudden, people are uh, Democrats who uh, registered to be Democrats are showing up, no party preference. This is the same thing that happened in 2016. We're seeing uh, stories uh, in California. I also saw one in New Hampshire where, where voters are suddenly who registered to be Democrats are showing up not registered. So it's not getting much coverage, but we know the shenanigans is happening. And there's been theories that, well, maybe this lack of attention by the corporate media is a good thing. Maybe it instead of submerging him with negative coverage, which there's been plenty of negative coverage, but maybe if their main focus is Biden, Klobuchar, Warren, Pete, maybe that's good for Bernie. It's been incredible the last like three days, all of a sudden, the media is finally, this is why, this is why status quo exists because it's amazing how out of touch these people are. I think it's intentionally out of touch, but all you gotta do is go out into the country and it's very, very much, uh, very, very, right in your face that not only could Bernie Sanders win Iowa, Bernie Sanders might win Iowa, New Hampshire, and Nevada. It's possible he wins California too. Um, so I just want to remind you how far we have come. This was our friend at CNN, uh, the Wizard of Odds, I think Chris Saliza calls him. This was Harry Enten, this tall class of nothing. In July, Bernie Sanders is in big trouble. Bernie Sanders is in big trouble. This is uh, Jennifer Rubin of the Washington Post. Sanders likely can't turn it around, but Biden can. Here's how. That's a gem from July also. I mean, if I looked for hours, I could find 25 other funeral announcements for Bernie Sanders' political career and campaign. But now, all of a sudden, people are waking up. David Axelrod, another uh, empty vessel. Bernie Sanders told me during the Axe Files in August when he was down in the polls that he'd win the Iowa caucuses. I was skeptical then, but not today. As we approach 2020, Sa Sanders' wins in both Iowa and New Hampshire are no lead pipe cinch, but easy to imagine. I don't know why he had to mention lead pipes. It's a crisis all over the country, but I digress. Okay. So David Axelrod's taking you seriously. That means the Obama world is taking you seriously. Now, all of a sudden, the New York Times, who tried to, you know, uh, they really were fixated. Remember that story where, Bernie, you went to Nicaragua. You were at a rally and you heard anti-American sentiment, Bernie. What did you, why didn't you do anything, Bernie? Well, yeah, I mean, the you know, we were killing their people through the Contras. So, yeah. But Bernie, you heard anti-American sentiment. Uh, yeah, Nicaragua's people were being killed by the Contras, so they were a little upset. But Bernie, remember that? Remember the story where they tried to make it seem like Bernie brought the Soviet Union back to Burlington? 
to try and spook them. But now they're getting a little, now they got to face reality. I'm not reading this whole article, but all of a sudden, stuff they could have reported six months ago, now they're reporting it. I mean, this part, I thought, was something. Yet in Iowa and elsewhere, the tension with the party has served only to re-energize Mr. Sanders and his loyalists, who are faithful to him in a way that no other candidate's supporters are, while backers of other Democrats often list three or four contenders when asked to name their top choice, Mr. Sanders' fans are unwavering. Yeah, like he's a, <laughs> he's a rock star. A recent poll from the Des Moines Register showed that among likely Democratic caucus goers who said Mr. Sanders was their top choice, 57% said their minds were made up, according to the Register. No other candidate registered above 30%. Those figures alone could portend a strong showing for Mr. Sanders at the caucuses, where candidates must receive at least 15% support at a caucus site to collect the site's share of delegates. Bernie Sanders is definitely being underestimated in Iowa, said John Grennan, the Democratic chairman in Powashock County. Part of his durability is that he has 15 to 20% of the caucus who are absolutely committed to voting for him no matter what. In a field that's split between at least 10 major candidates, that's that 15 to 20% counts for a whole heck of a lot. What's interesting, in Iowa, it's a caucus. So remember, if Cory Booker does not break 15, it releases the people caucusing for uh, Cory Booker to go elsewhere. Same thing for Amy Klobuchar. Same thing for, who else is in this? Andrew Yang. Uh, all, all of these people, if you don't meet that 15% bar, your folks get released to, to other people. I think that's how it works. So Bernie Sanders is second choice for Biden supporters, for Warren supporters, and for several other candidates' supporters. I would have to look in uh, Emerson has the top second choice. Uh, so I think Bernie Sanders is in very, very prime position uh, to upset in Iowa, uh, Tulsi as well, uh, not upset in Iowa, but um, if she didn't, if she doesn't make the um, percentage wise at those caucus sites, then her voters would be released to vote for Bernie. Uh, so that was the New York Times piece. And then Politico of all places. This sounded the alarm. It's like the British are coming. Democratic insiders, Bernie could win the nomination. Like, did you people, were you, have you been asleep for months? All of the stuff they're reporting now. And I love the first person they go to is David Brock. David Brock, that, that creature of Hillary Clinton. It, quote, those two end up being Biden and Sanders, said Brock, a longtime Hillary Clinton ally who founded a pro-Clinton super PAC in the 2016 campaign. They've both proven to be very resilient. You know what I love? You know, Trump obviously lies so casually and easy, he doesn't even know um, he, he's lying as much as he is. David Brock, true story. When I went up to him in 2016, I was like, do you think it's, you know, appropriate for your super PAC to be doing commercials, kind of like stoking paranoia that Bernie Sanders isn't releasing his, his health records? David Brock's like, I don't, know, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have anything to do with that. I'm like... Really? Because I, I just watched the commercial in my hotel room from Priorities USA, Correct the Record. That's your super PAC. Oh, no, I had nothing to do about that. I mean, these people just lie so casually. It's unbelievable. But 
the political piece, you know, these insiders, essentially Obama, Clinton people, um, basically were saying what we've all known for months. I believe people should, quote, I believe people should take him seriously. He's a very good shot of winning Iowa, a very good shot of winning New Hampshire, and other than Joe Biden, the best shot of winning Nevada, said Dan Pfeiffer, who served as an advisor to President Obama. He should build a real, he could build a real head of steam heading into South Carolina and Super Tuesday. So Sanders, in second place in national polls, nearly nine, nine percentage points behind Biden, according to Real Clear Politics, he's second in Iowa and first in New Hampshire. So what's interesting to me about all this, why all of a sudden, oh, of course they had to get third way in, you know, that corrupt Wall Street funded quote unquote think tank. He can't win the nomination, said Matt Bennett, Matt Bennett, co-founder of the center left group Third Way, adding that Sanders uptick is simply him bouncing around between his ceiling and his floor a little bit more than people had thought he would. Okay. Interesting. Political might want to mention that Third Way has poured in millions in negative ads and advertising against Bernie Sanders and Medicare for All, but I digress. So it's interesting to me, why all of a sudden they've essentially, I mean, don't get me wrong, there's been a lot of negative stories about Bernie Sanders, but why all of a sudden are these pieces coming out essentially saying the same thing? Don't, don't sleep on Bernie. He can win. He can win. To me, to me, this is the warning flares for everybody to stop. Oh, I'm trying not to get demonetized. To stop fooling around here. Let's take a break from propping up every breathing neoliberal establishment creature. Take a break. Let's, let's take a break from propping up Amy Klobuchar. Let's take a break from Mayor... Empty vessel, which I'm going to get to him in a minute. Let's take a break from ignoring the fact that Biden is struggling cognitively. Let's take a break from all of the, you know, Trump's the Antichrist. We need to all get together in, that pri- in those private rooms that I talked to you about at the beginning of this. Remember, Neera Tandon, Terry McAuliffe, uh, Pete Buttigieg, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, they were all getting together for private dinners in D.C. and New York in April. How do we stop Bernie Sanders? I think all of these articles right now, because Politico is part of the establishment, the New York Times is the organ for the establishment, I think they're all blaring signs. We don't care who wins Iowa. We don't care who wins New Hampshire. We don't care who's the nominee. As long as it's not Bernie Sanders, we have to stop this momentum. That's what's going on right now. Politico is not writing this piece. New York Times is not writing this piece. Uh, uh, David Axelrod's not saying this out of kindness or to be fair. They're saying like, hey guys and gals, uh, we got to get in the back room and figure this out. We can't let this man win. Yeah, yeah, Trump, Trump, bad, but seriously, Bernie, Bernie, worse. To me, when you see these articles coming out in the New York Times, Politico, What I'm thinking is, you better prepare yourself for the onslaught that's about to come. Because these articles, which are semi-positive, are really warning signs, are really flares getting shot up to essentially bandy everyone together and focus on the real prize. No more criticisms of Pete. Pete, No more focusing on Warren. 
let Amy, you know, prop herself up. We need all the attention right now to stop Bernie Sanders. I don't care what you have to find. You better, if you have to find that he went to the bathroom without a hall pass back in the 1960s, find it. If you need to find that, wait a minute, him and Jane went on vacation in Russia. Where did they go in Russia? Who did they speak with? Where did they stay? What did they eat? I'm telling you, this is what's going to happen, folks. They're going to try and drop as many negative stories all at once. All, you're also going to start hearing this term, which is complete BS, trying not to curse. Oh, but he's not electable. He's not electable. This whole theoretical debate about electability. These same pundits who said, oh, we have to go with Hillary. She's the electable one. The same ones who thought Donald Trump, he's, he's not electable. These same people who have been telling us and wrong forever and ever who's electable, who's not, what the Midwest voter wants, what they don't want, the electability crowd. We're going to start out, and you better believe you're going to start hearing more and more horror stories about socialized medicine in Canada and the UK and Denmark. You just wait. I'm predicting it. Thank you, G. Two bucks. Would Yang and Tulsi people actually go to Bernie, though? I think Tulsi people would. I think uh, Andrew Yang people are a little bit more zealots. Uh, I don't mean that that they're bad people. I just mean they're kind of, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid. And I don't know how many of them would go to um, Yang. But I do think Tulsi supporters would go to Bernie. Uh, particularly, I believe, if Tulsi dropped out, she would probably endorse Bernie with that dropout. Uh to be clear, I'm not telling her to drop out. I'm just speaking facts and reality. If she weren't to be, if she weren't to perform well in Iowa and Bernie wins Iowa, I mean, it's still going to be a nail biter in New Hampshire. So that four or five percent she has in New Hampshire could go, uh, could be pivotal in, in Bernie winning. So Tulsi Gabbard would have to decide: Does she want to be a message warrior at that point? Because I'm just breaking reality. She's not going to win the presidency. I don't mean that as a, to sound like the pundits who say Bernie has no chance. I mean that because in reality, she's, she's just not. Uh, to be fair, I mean, she has not gotten a fair shake. She barely got media attention. And when she did get media attention, they painted her as, you know, an alt-right darling, a Russian agent. So I'm not saying it's been fair, but I'm just talking reality. I have a hard time believing Tulsi Gabbard uh, would have a shot unless she really outperformed in Iowa. I mean, Tulsi Gabbard coming even in third in Iowa would be a victory for her. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, oh, Pete Buttigieg. Pete Buttigieg. And, you know, I know a lot of people are like, Jordan, get off it. We need to, you know, focus on Biden. I, I don't think you could just get off Pete Buttigieg because right now, according to the polls, he's leading in Iowa. Now, I take all the polls with a grain of salt, uh, but he is leading in Iowa. And not just that, I think it is a true, true, um, stain. I mean, Russiagate was a stain on the corporate media. Obviously, Iraq was a stain on the corporate media. I think it is a true stain on our media that there has been no vetting of this man. There has been no real coverage of this man. In four days, status quo did more, vo more vetting and could, could easily find that this man is the gentrifier-in-chief. His most impressive accomplishment is gentrifying all of South Bend, Indiana. 
He has made four or five blocks. Wonderful. And left the rest of the city to fight to the deaths for the scraps. So now, you know, since he's basically raising all his money in wine caves, in mansions, from a, the who's who of the United Corporations of America, uh, now his campaign is trying this accounting gimmick. They're trying to, they're trying to essentially artificially lower their average donation amount by proposing a contest. Who could donate the least amount? Like this isn't so transparent what they're trying to do. Judge presidential campaigns announced a new contest to drum up fundraising. Who could give the Democratic candidate the lowest contribution? In an email to supporters Tuesday evening, Judge's campaign wrote that the donor who contributes the lowest amount in the hours ahead, provided that no other donor matches the contribution amount, will win a prize for the campaign. I wonder if it's going to be a low-priced bottle of wine from a proletariat wine cave. Quote, all you have to do Win, all you have to do to win is donate the smallest amount that nobody else donates. Multiple donations are allowed. Just be creative. Pick a unique donation amount and you could win. Do you know what this tells me? You know what this tells me? And I'm not good at math. I failed math. So what this tells me, Jen, let me know what, what you think. The year is ending, which means the financial quarter is ending. This is the fourth quarter, the fourth financial quarter. So I think they're looking at their average donation amount, and I'm pretty sure that average donation amount is not a small amount. My guess is you're looking at an average donation mark probably above $50, possibly hovering between $50 and $60. Now, in some circles, that's a small dollar donation. Most people do not have $50 to $60 to give. Do they not think that this is essentially, like, transparent? Like, if you're going to try and lower your average donation to make it look like your, you know, Lunch Bucket Joe is, is the general person donating to your campaign, maybe don't be so obvious that right now your average amount is high. Because who the hell, who the hell, like, Jen, you, you're, you work in marketing. She's been doing marketing for years. Is that, like, a, a normal marketing campaign, like... Hey, let's have a race to the bottom. Who could donate the least amount? I mean, I'm not saying small dollar donors don't matter, but it's so obvious that all he's doing has been fundraisers in Napa Valley, wine caves, mansions, Silicon Valley. He's not getting small dollar donate donations from these people. He's getting maxed out $2,800 donations. You know, it's unbelievable to me. And now his campaign to make it seem like, oh, he's getting that small dollar donations is basically saying, hey, send two cents, send three cents. We just need as many small dollar donations as possible. Hey, send a little piece of lint. Jen said, I would do it if I were a sellout trying to lower average donation amounts. Ding, 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 ding. It's so transparent. And this is why this guy is going to lose. This is why this guy is going to lose. Because here's the thing. Trump did what Pete is doing. Trump put on a show. 
Trump presented himself as something he's not. Trump put, you know, spoke like an everyman populist when he wasn't. But the difference is Trump was running against a bunch of corrupt Republicans. Trump was running against a bunch of authentically terrible Republicans. So Trump was able to con people. Pete is running against the OG authentic progressive. It's very hard for your con job to last if you're running against a actually authentic progressive. This is the same reason Barack Obama was able to win in 2007-2008. If, let's say, uh, a Bernie type was running in 2007-2008, Obama would have had a much harder time presenting himself as this hope and change and heal the world kind of guy because you'd have an OG progressive there to call out the BS, to call out the inconsistencies. Pete, eventually, if you are just artificially propped up by a bunch of marketing, branding, corporate media, slobbering, eventually people are going to wise up to it. And I think you're going to see that soon.